We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Welcome to the podcast, Rob Wolf. What an OG you were just saying. It's been a while. It's probably been almost 15 over 10 years. years. Yeah, over, over 10, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the yeah. day, the nutrition lecture coming through town. Still a lot of that. Most of it's still relevant. Most of what it, you were saying back then is still relevant. Pretty crazy. Uh, sleep, nutrition, gut health. Uh, you, you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to go out of style anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least not the basics and the right stuff. Right. 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 So, well, right. and I, sh- I should be clear. Um, if I have to take a breath at all during this, I just had the lemon habanero element. So, <laughs> so if my, my mouth is a little on fire right now. They, they do recommend a uh, six foot social distancing when opening that at least. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's one of the topics I definitely want to discuss. A, I appreciate you guys sending those over. The, my wife and I, every day we've been taking one. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And I'm someone that prior to that was doing the like pink Himalayan salt type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is better potentially just because it tastes like chocolate, but it just, you know, I really just enjoy it. So I want to hear all about the journey into creating that. But before the journey, and maybe it's part of the journey, where did those flavors come from? Because here, here's what I, th- I think. I think they have a great variety for all taste preferences but i love that chocolate one the chocolate one is like having chocolate milk in the morning the lemon habanero my wife and i kind of like fight you want this one you can have this one um and the sit all the juicy ones are great they're like refreshing um so where did the idea for those different flavors come from you know uh, so that's part of the fiesta pack it's uh chocolate lemon habanero and then mango chili yeah. And uh, one of our co-founders, Luis Villasenor, is a native of Mexico City. And so we really leaned into that, you know, Mesoamerican, you know, cacao, uh, uh, you know, spicy kind of flavor profile. And uh, we, we didn't know when we first launched this thing, we suspected that it would go well as an electrolyte company, but we didn't really know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there in the space. And so we formulated things so that if we needed to pivot and just be a drink mix company, we were there, you know? And so when, when we did the formulation, you know, it's like, does this taste good with a little bit of booze in it also, or is it like fantastic before or after a workout? And so we, we, so long as we've been able to book in both of those kind of, uh, standards, I guess, if those are standards, then, you know, that's, that's what we've went with. But that was actually Luis's brainchild to, to go the, you know, the mango chili, lemon habanero, and then the chocolate to have this fiesta pack kind of celebrating the the Latin American influence in the business and just, you know, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and now that you say that, I do think any of those flavors would go with a couple shots of tequila. And they work really well. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to hear something funny, something I still have to give Rob credit for years later, 
is the NorCal margarita. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's still my go-to. I don't drink very often, but if we're out, you know, I'll get a the tequila, you know, so with some club soda and a pinch of lime and people, some, you know, I think when you've been involved in something for a very long time, you forget that other people may not be aware of this or that. And I'm like, oh yeah, this was like the go-to drink for years. Like this was paleo at our gym. Like this was okay and acceptable in paleo challenges. Right, right. It's it's funny, even traveling around now, every once in a while, I'll see a a bar menu and it, it doesn't happen the way that it did, you know, like 2010, 2013, when everything was really on a, a powerful up, up cycle, but um, I still every once in a while will run across a bar, you know, in in New York, in Florida, in some random place, and it's like NorCal Margarita. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, is that still your go-to drink? Pretty much. I mean, I just do the the element citrus uh, in, in that. And the funny thing is, um, I I think I maybe burned myself out on the citrus because it was our our first flavor and like. I can't drink it in water. Like I just have this like aversion. It's kind of like getting super hungover on tequila and then you just smell it and and you're, you're done. But um, I love it in a, a drink and I'll actually goose it with a little bit more lime juice and, and a couple of shots of tequila, some soda water, try not to fizz the whole thing over. And it's, it's really good, but it, it's funny that I, I have that aversion to um, just the uh, you know, just the plain stuff and water at this point, but I, I, I did really wear the tread off of it in the beginning. What was the catalyst for you to think we need to do this? I mean, a lot of people will, will take, like I was saying, Himalayan salt or add a pinch mm-hmm. of salt to something. Obviously there's no flavor to it. So you, you have that. It, what else is the benefit there? And, and then I also want to know when's the most ideal time to take it. Personally, I wake up, drink a little bit of standard water and then throw that in a shaker bottle and drink it. What, what's your recommendation for that? Oh man. You know, it's funny because you would think that, uh, something that has a dosing schedule, like that would be the most buttoned up piece to it, but it's honestly the most difficult to pin down because do we have a large individual or a small individual? Do you have somebody who is a super sweater? These are people usually male who, um, at any given work output, at any given temperature, they just sweat disproportionately more than most other people. They tend to lose much larger amounts of sodium. Like we've done some work with some NHL teams that, that track the body water loss and sodium loss and their athletes. And these are pretty big dudes. They're like 200 pounds plus, like they're, they're not wee little, little waifs, but these guys will lose upwards of 10 pounds of water in the course of a practice or a hard game and 10 grams of sodium during that time. And the, you know, the kind of uh, sports medicine, mainstream medicine guidelines are generally at about two grams of sodium intake per day. So for these hard charging athletes, they will never get back ahead of that curve. Like they're going to be chronically sodium depleted, which cramping is kind of the end stage of that. Like you're really far down the the line of being underpowered in electrolytes, specifically sodium. So like the, how much and the, the perfect timing is, is really subjective. Like, uh, some, some people get up and have, uh, some electrolytes right upon waking. And this is kind of a long standing thing where people use like the Himalayan sea salt or something, and they'll put it in some water and they'll drink that first thing in the morning. 
Uh, lots of people do pre post workout, you know, peri workout. It, it's really based off of need. So if you're feeling lethargic, kind of foggy headed, low, low energy levels, then instead of just assuming that maybe it's a carb issue, instead of immediately assuming that you need more caffeine, maybe look to electrolytes and see if that is the, the main problem. And I mean, it, interestingly, going way, way back in CrossFit history, it was 2004, 2005, I was, I was in Santa Cruz and chatting with Greg Glassman. And we were just talking about like the zone and different things. And he mentioned that if folks didn't aggressively supplement sodium, that they just kind of flamed out, like that, that was this kind of like secret piece to, to making that, that approach work. And I, I heard him say that, but it, it, it was just kind of one of these things that went in. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not afraid of sodium. I salt my food, but it was almost 20 years later that I really appreciated, oh, this is actually like how much you need. And, and this is part of the reason why we, we flavored these things because just salting your food, what, what we find is folks do an okay job, but they virtually never hit the, the targets that we have out there, particularly if, if they're really hard charging athletes police, firefighters working in a hot or, or humid environment, like they're, they're always under, you know, powered in what they need to do from the, the electrolyte standpoint. And so that was part of the, the impetus of doing this, making it a, a pretty tasty beverage so that people would be kind of induced to, to drink more of it and get more of that electrolyte down the, down the hatch, but it, it's worked remarkably well. And it, it, it's funny. Um, I don't know that like Barry Sears had ever talked about the need for additional sodium. He had also done some pieces that said, oh, you don't need to worry about sodium so long as you're not eating a ton of refined carbohydrates and you're not, you know, in this like insulin resistant kind of mode, but it, it's really so important, but it didn't get woven into like the, the religious doctrine of like doing the zone and, and similar thing with like low carb and keto and all that stuff. Like if somebody is put on a medically supervised ketogenic diet, that dietitian is going to make certain that the person gets at least five grams of sodium a day. Like it, it, it's understood due to this phenomenon called the naturesis of fasting. When somebody fasts or is on a, a very low carb diet, their insulin levels drop, which causes a hormone called aldosterone to decrease. And aldosterone is what causes us to retain sodium. When we retain sodium, we retain water. And we all want some degree of that. Like you don't want too much. You don't want too little. And so this is another thing that even in, in kind of low carb world, and I, I, I'm a pretty good biochemist. I understand the metabolic pathways and all that stuff, but I, I, it was never, um, it was never part of that, like central dogma that like sodium was as important as protein in this, this whole story. And then I met Tyler Cartwright and Luis Phyllis and you're the founders of keto gains and they've worked in a clinical setting with just tens of thousands of people over the years. And they really understood the need for the sodium piece and the results they were getting with people were just jaw dropping. And, and they had some really high motor folks, some folks competing in and around the CrossFit games, some high level jujitsu people and stuff like that. And I was like, how the, how the heck are they doing this? You know? And as I started talking to them, they just like, Oh, the sodium piece is, is just super overlooked. And it, it, uh, even some of the smaller females that they work with may end up consuming 10 grams of sodium per day from all sources, you know, olives and salami, and, and then also 
you know, supplemental sodium. And it, it just makes this shocking difference for people when they get that right. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that one of the things I thought of is I'll take creatine, which has no flavor oftentimes post-workout might be a good idea to throw that in with, with some element to give it some flavor, especially yep. post-workout. You know, you, you mentioned coach, let me ask you this. I haven't spoken to you obviously since everything went down. Right. And I know you've had your, you know, you, we're not in, that's not why we're on here to talk about right, that. Right. What's, um, what's your overall opinion on what he did to the fitness community world? In a, and I meant that in a positive way, not did in a negative way, but did yeah, like yeah. his impact. I mean, clearly it was a, a world changing impact. I mean, I, I go into Cabela's and Walmart and Target and you see influence of, of CrossFit in there. You see wall wall type stuff and you, you see imagery of people wearing knee socks and, and nanos and shit like that, you know, and then, uh, you can't go into a fitness facility and, and not see, uh, an imprint of that, you know? And so I, I think it, it, uh, it put this idea of, of, uh, something other than the bodybuilding kind of fitness kind of, it, it created a new box, you know, an intellectual box that, that you could, you can put that stuff in. And I think that that's incredibly valuable. It provides so much more opportunity for people to kind of express themselves via physical movement. I think that um, doing workouts that are kind of game formatted, it's like, do this much of this, this much of this, and try to chug through it at as, as rapid a clip as you can. It's just a lot of fun, you know, compared to like, okay, we're going to do like, like I got back into some kind of gymnastics-y powerlifting type stuff, which is cool, but I got to say it's boring, you know, by, by comparison, it's like, okay, I have eight more sets of this planche thing I'm going to work on. And then I have a two minute rest in between that. I tried to do a little bit of other peripheral work and some mobility and everything, but it's like, oh my God, this is boring. But you know, some of these, some of these skill-based things, you really, you, you can't just smoke yourself on it, you know, at least until you you get going. So I, I think it's really cool that they put all that stuff in it. I think the missed opportunities was that uh, I don't think anybody was more surprised by the success of CrossFit than Greg. Like, I, I, I don't think up until very late in the game that he really believed that it was ever going to be the thing that it was. And I, I think that that caused that fed into a tendency of thinking about this thing very short term. And I kind of liken it to strip mining. I feel like the negative side is that uh, fitness was strip mined and kind of like extracted and and carried away. I think that there was a huge upper like that CrossFit health angle. That was something that I suggested in 2009. I'm like, why don't we bifurcate this thing and have like a fitness track and a health track? And this was not too 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 long before I ended up getting getting booted out of there. But you know, I had a I had a I was fairly prescient with a lot of things and like there was an opportunity there. The thing that I had suggested is why don't you get a doctor, an internal medicine doctor, a physical medicine doctor, like a DPT or a physical therapist attached with each gym, each and every gym. And it doesn't mean that they're in the physical location, although that would be awesome, but at least close proximity. So when people want some blood work, they have somebody credible to go get blood work and they understand that, you know, lower carb diets, although not the right answer for everybody are a great solution for metabolic disorder and whatnot. And imagine a network of, of gyms and practitioners that had 
a couple of million people cycling through that. And then you spin up an insurance product that is insuring people who are disproportionately healthy and disproportionately low risk. Like that could have not only changed fitness, it could have changed medicine and, and healthcare. It literally could have changed healthcare. And since around 2013, 2012, it's been on my radar that the Congressional Budget Office has been projecting that uh, diabetes would bankrupt the United States by like 2035. You know, these are like really big, important things. And fitness is important, too. But, uh, you know, COVID aside, like we, we were already on a, a kind of a brick wall with regards to like financing the, the innards of our healthcare system. And it's only gotten worse. And that's kind of the heartbreaker for me is I think that that opportunity was, was missed. Um, I give a hat tip to Eric Rosa. Like he seems to really be attempting to spin that part up uh, within CrossFit. But I don't know if, if uh, the ship has sailed on that. Like, you know, CrossFit's always going to be there. It's always going to be an entity. But, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a, a, an opportunity to hit that high inflection point again. You know, they really, it, I feel like, um, they need something to rally around and a, a transforming healthcare in my mind is the thing that I would, it's like, yes, we've got the games. We've got all this cool shit. People are jacked. The girls are hot. The dudes are gorgeous. Great. Check. Got it. Now let's fucking save healthcare and like really do kind of like a, a Rob Roy, like, you know, a, a war cry around that stuff. And I, I don't know if there's quite the will or in my opinion, the, the awareness, I could be wrong about all that stuff, but again, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. I've, I've been able to look around some corners and look down the road 10, 15 years on a lot of this stuff and have a sense of, Hey, this might be a good idea to orient things this way. Yeah. One of the things you said, I think is absolutely true. You knew uh, Greg a lot better than I did, especially in the early days, but it was very short-sighted. And I think that was part of the, the beauty of it, right? Like it's us against them, right? Where it really could have been it's us against them and then slowly started to expand. And I think it did start to get there, but I think, you know, we've said this before on the podcast, like he's insane, right? But the insane part of him is like what what allowed him to create that, you know, all of anyone yep. that's a true entrepreneur, I'd say the same about you, I'm sure people say it about me, like you have to have a touch of of craziness to do that. It's just a matter of where that balance is. Yes, yeah. If you realized how hard and how unlikely success was, doing something new, you just wouldn't do it. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen some old school names kind of making their way back into the CrossFit mix. Have you considered it? I, I'm actually going to be uh, do, uh, doing a gig for CrossFit Health, doing uh, some of their, their CME work. So I will be presenting a, a thing on the neuroregulation of appetite. And so that's going to be part of their, oh, that's awesome. their CME offerings. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a huge honor to do that. It's a it's a great program and and lots of wonderful people in there. So yeah, I'm really stoked to be able to help with that. Yeah, I'm sure there was a filter coming into you, but were you surprised? Like, whoa, this is an unexpected email or phone call. Not super duper because it wasn't too long after. Uh, like I knew Eric Rosa before long before he he purchased CrossFit. He had Chris Cresser and I go out to his gym man, a long time ago, six years ago, eight years ago, something like that. And we, we went out there twice uh, to Sanitas uh, and, and uh, did some seminars for him. And so we had had a little bit of a relationship prior to all that stuff. And it was maybe a, a couple of couple of 
days, maybe a week or so after that, that transaction at least was underway that he reached out to me and was, you know, just kind of checking in and asked me some questions about like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about all this stuff? Where do you see some of the, you know, the, the challenges that, that CrossFit globally faces. And then like at the individual level, like owning a, owning a gym and stuff like that. And so we, we shared some ideas around that. So I wasn't super surprised. What, What has been surprising to me is, um, folks that when all that stuff went down, like they, they could spare no, no effort in trying to curry some favor by like sticking some knives in there, you know, <laughs> just, just kind of doing some squirrely stuff. And, uh, and then lo and behold, now, like they're trying to get into say like a blood glucose testing company and then, oh man, wow, Rob is on the board of advisors for this company. And so now they have to kind of like circle back around and, Hey, so how are you doing? You know, and I, I've had some very funny and very awkward you know, conversations with people where they, I think they assumed that that party was going to go on forever. And it kind of seemed like it was going to, but, you know, everything changes and, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's just been interesting. I, I, I won't overly, you know, beat that, but it's been interesting. And, and some folks that definitely were not kind to me in the past have found themselves in some very awkward spots where it's like, Oh, you actually need to chat with him because he's like on our scientific advisory board. Do you know Rob Wolf? And they're like, oh fuck, yeah, I really do know that guy. <laughs> he definitely knows me, you know. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's been interesting because over the years, you know, you, you've just grinded and it's been impressive. I mean, from being on much bigger podcasts to ours, you know, to all the books you put out to new companies, like you've just I, w- I don't want to say silent because that's not the right word. It's not been silent at all. You've been very vocal and, and very out there. So it's been, it's awesome to see from my perspective, to me, you're still just an OG CrossFit dude, you know, like do, you. doing, doing it. And uh, it's, it's really great to see. One of the things that I want to ask you about is selfishly, but two, two different topics, but let's, let's talk about the one I think you'll enjoy BJJ. So you're big into Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now. And that was actually, these two topics overlap. I started doing carnivore. Okay. So Dr. Paul Saladino, I'm sure you've heard of him. We've had him on the podcast. And hearing him and Mark Bell and a few others really promoted Joe Rogan. I was like, let me try. I remember having breakfast one morning with my wife. One day I'll try this thing. And she's like, you're eating bacon and eggs. Start today. Yeah. Yeah. No excuses. So I started doing it. And that's actually when I started cramping more. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. when I started doing the Himalayan, you know, but a lot of the cramping was happening at jujitsu. Yeah. Do you, do you, you know, so I, I certainly want to dive into jujitsu, but my specific question is, do you think the cramping is happening because like you mentioned, just the sweating and, and, and losing, losing the salt, or for example, we're always flexing our calves. Is it the, is it the repeated mus- muscle flexion or is it a combination of both? It's a little combination of both, but it really is a a sign of low electrolyte status in particular sodium. And uh, even for non super sweater folks, the the main electrolyte that we lose while while sweating is sodium. Like it's like a hundred to one relative to say potassium or magnesium, which folks get kind of geeked out about uh, 
consuming more potassium and magnesium, but it doesn't really address the, the, the cause of the cramp. And uh, something that folks don't appreciate uh, when occasionally a, a lethal injection is given to somebody who's on like death row, it's a, it's a giant bolus of potassium that causes the heart to cramp and that's, that's it. And so sodium, you know, these electrolytes have this interplay of causing things to contract and to relax and you need balance for, for both of those. And jujitsu, you know, even if you're in no gi stuff and air conditioning, like you, you just sweat a lot if you're wearing the gi also, and you're in any type of like kind of a a warm environment, you know, it's almost like doing a, a sauna. Like I, I, I'd be interested to know what people's like internal body temperature get is like one two occasionally one Oh three. While you're, I hate the gi. I prefer know, no gi. I yeah, prefer no yeah, gi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, squirrely strong guys like that, like fat old weak guys like me definitely like the gi because people can't <laughs> squirrel around as much, but, um, I, I really think it's, it's, um, it's a lack of adequate sodium in particular. And I, I think just going, you know, full carnivore, uh, again, the insulin levels are going to be quite low. So your one's tendency to retain sodium is again, going, going to be very, very low. And I think that there's kind of a reality where we can get all kind of, uh, romanticized around like paleo man and, you know, functional exercise and all that stuff. And our, our ancestors were definitely active. And even when we look at contemporary hunter gatherers, they're definitely active, but they're not CrossFitters. They're not semi-pro athletes doing jujitsu. Like there, uh, uh, there was maybe one really hard session a week. And then the rest of the time was like rather, you know, relaxed and very low intensity and whatnot. And I, I think when you start overlapping those things, that's where like, well, maybe you need a little bit more carbs and, or maybe you need to supplement the sodium. And this is where the divergence from kind of like this idealized paleo landscape occurs relative. Well, we're, we're living this modern world and I want to do jujitsu three to five days per week. And I just need to fuel myself in a way that facilitates that, you know, regardless of what my, you know, my, my thoughts around like, well, because I know within the carnivore circles, there are a lot of folks are like, you do not need additional sodium. And I'm like, okay, cool. Go do two hours of rolling with me and get back to me about that, you know, and do, let's do an experiment and do one day with <laughs> no electrolytes and another day with electrolytes and just see how you, see how you do with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the calf when that cramps, it's just pain. It feels like your shin is going to break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where you, you've got, yeah, it's bad. It's bad news. I, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I was really, I'm, I'm still, I would say meat based, but incorporated some fruits and vegetables back in. But there was a few nights I woke up and my adductor was cramped and you're like in the yep. middle of the night, you're like, I don't even know how to stretch this thing to try to <laughs> loosen it back up. And it's just the worst pain. But I know you are a heavy jujitsu practitioner what what caused you to get back into it i think much like me there's a lot of ebbs and flow in your jujitsu yeah. career like when you're an entrepreneur life just gets in the way and as much as i love jujitsu i put it right at the top of my favorites it was often the first thing to go yeah because it's not the difference between jujitsu and crossfit is it's not an hour right you know for those that don't practice it's a you have to get there usually it's like an hour of drilling 30 minutes of rolling get home you're probably going to want to shower because you've been right. sweating with other dudes. Like it's, it's, a, it's an endeavor every day. So, so what allowed you to get back into it and what was the catalyst for that? 
Oh man, it, you know, so the first time I ever saw Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was in 93 or 94 down in Los Angeles. And I was in this uh, Thai box, boxing instructor training program. And so I was really uh, interested in that. And then I had heard a little bit about this, like Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And then I got to do some rolling with this guy. And I was just like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. You know, it was so efficient and, and gentle. And, you know, it was, it was really crazy, but um, there was nobody out there at that point. And I ended up moving from Southern California back up to Chico, California. And the, 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 there was nobody there that, you know, there wasn't even a blue belt. There was kind of a Nubuki Khan that had some, Japanese jujitsu. And, and I knew that that really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I would dabble a little bit here, dabble a little bit there, but uh, it was a, a similar deal. Like there was so little jujitsu that the little bit that existed, they were usually in the back of karate studio. Their classes didn't start until nine o'clock at night. And for whatever reason, like my work schedule has always been that I've been on the early early schedule. Like I'm up at five 30 or six at the latest generally and out to, to get to the lab or get to the gym or wherever it was that I, I was working and I would do those late sessions, not sleep, get up the next day, totally just crushed. And I'm like, ah, I can't do this. And it, it was 2012 that my wife and I moved to Reno. She was pregnant with our, our first daughter. And I finally started tracking down some some schools that were legitimately schools. They had a noon hour. They had some morning classes. You know, they were they were functioning the way that classic, you know, Taekwondo schools had, had functioned. You know, they actually had a little bit of business structure and everything. And that was really the the turning point. I just needed somewhere that I could could train that that fit into my schedule because I get up early. I get a big bolus of work done breaking out for that like hour and a half or two hour period then doesn't hurt as bad because it's like, okay, I got a lot of work done. I'll do this. I'll eat some food. Then I, I can get my second shift, you know, later in the afternoon. And that was really the turning point for me. And so it was around 2012 that I started getting some degree of consistency with, with my training. And now I'm a Brown belt. Um, you know, I'll probably Congrats be a Brown that, belt for way, yeah. two or three years, you know, before I, I take the step up. Hopefully it's that long because I, I still feel like an imposture with the Brown belt, but it, it's been cool. It, it's been really cool. And the, uh, the community is awesome. Learning something new all the time is awesome. Um, it, 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 it feels more like something that I could do pretty much the rest of my life. So long as I pick smart training partners and know when to tap and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've had my purple belt for about eight years. So okay, okay. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, but there's that famous quote, uh, a belt only covers an inch of your ass. You have to cover the rest. So, right, so right. I'm, not, uh, I'm not too concerned about it. You, you, you say all that, and I, I believe I read, I don't know if you're still eating this way, but you were in intermittent faster, much like myself, but almost a reverse intermittent faster. Most people think intermittent fasting, they think sleep through the night, push that window out, start eating later in the afternoon, but yep. you're the opposite. Is that still true? Yeah, I, I do seem to feel better with um, front loading more of my calories. And because we have two kids now, they're seven and nine. If I had my ideal world, I would eat a huge breakfast and then I would do jujitsu or work out somewhere around noon. And then based off of how much activity I did there, then my next meal would 
would fill that gap. If it was a lot of activity, I'd have a really huge, you know, kind of like early dinner at like three o'clock and then I would be done. That would, that would be my ideal world. You got to move to Florida, Florida, yeah. to get the early bird. Yeah. The yeah. Parents. Yeah. Yeah. The blue hair hour go out and, 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 and all that. But, um, <laughs> but we have kids and, and the, the dinner time is an important time to like connect with them and just chat and hang out. And so what, what I do is still mainly that, but my, so my breakfast is big, regardless of the day, uh, just tend to feel pretty good starting that off. Um, what's that look like? What's, what's your big breakfast? It might be like 50 grams of protein from, from, you know, chicken, fish, beef, something, something like that. But not uh, a standard breakfast. You're just eating it in the morning. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Could be standard, but you're not saying like eggs, bacon, sausage. You're saying, well, you know, unfortunately I'm, um, I, I developed an egg intolerance over time. And so I have oh, to wow. really be super selective with eggs, but I'll do a hunk of protein, maybe a little bit of fruit, uh, some, some nuts, like half cup of nuts or, you know, usually macadamias. And that's kind of breakfast, pretty, pretty sizable breakfast. Um, I definitely focus on kind of the low FODMAP because I will definitely get gassy and like having somebody give you horrible side control pressure or something. And you're just like farting all <laughs> over the mat is terrible for everybody involved. And, and so I, I, and you know, I just noticed that I don't have that bloat and, and everything. And so that's better. Uh, and then I'll eat when we get home and usually it's a pretty good, like if we had a, a barn burner of the day, it's a pretty good sized meal. And then the dinner is just kind of a token thing. It's like some, a little bit of protein and a little bit of like greens or, you know, a, a little bit of fruit some berries with some whipped cream or, or something like that. Like, it's really kind of a token deal because again, I, I feel like I just sleep a little bit better. My body winds down a little bit better by having fewer of the calories late in the day versus early in the day. And, uh, I followed a guy, Bill Legacos, for a long time, and he's really geeked out on this kind of circadian rhythm, circadian biology thing. And I, I don't think that the early versus late is a complete deal breaker one way or the other. I think that focus on your protein, make sure that you're not over consuming food. And, and that's kind of where the most important stuff happens. I think that the rest of this is very tertiary, but I do notice that my sleep is a little bit better. Back when I, I wore some HRV platforms, I would notice my HRV score was improved when I, I did more of this earlier food, um, very light, you know, in the evening, I don't go so light that I'm hungry in the middle of the night. So I, I kind of pay attention to that, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I do some, time restricted eating, but I definitely do tend to front load the calories instead of back load the calories. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's interesting. You said that about HRV, because that was something I was experimenting with, with my whoop is man, my HRV was just low and I'm mm -hmm. you know, a, a faster and I tend to go like 22 hours a day. We have a seven month old and typically right around the time I want to start eating, she's having a meltdown and I, right. can't, get, you know, right. I can't get to the, so it just pushes back another hour or two. And then my HRV was really low those nights. And I realized, okay, if I stopped eating two, three hours before bed, my HRV would skyrocket. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think I think that's a, a big deal as far as people trying to improve their HRV. Let, let me let me ask you a funny question. Can you explain HRV to a five-year-old? HRV, so it looks at the way our heart beats and our heart shouldn't be a metronome. It shouldn't sound like clock ticking. It should speed up naturally. It should slow down naturally. It should be really variable. And it, it's a, 
tracking that over time gives you some insight into how much stress you have. We, we would call it allostatic load, which is not five-year-old typically appropriate, but, um, but it, it, and this is where, you know, I, I wrote my first article on intermittent fasting kind of went out to the CrossFit community in 2005. And by 2006, I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? Because I released it into a bunch of type A like idiots you know, who were like, Oh, 16 hours. is great. And 22 or 23 hours must be even better. Oh, and I'll eat five grams of carbs a month. And, and you, you know, and it's just super overreaching over training. Um, and so it, it's really looking at the total stress load that an individual takes in. And that's something that historically we've been like, well, if you're a student athlete, you know, you can go work out hard because all you're doing is sitting on your ass studying, but it's like, oh, well, cramming for that calculus exam is actually super exhausting. You can't just like separate that stuff out. And, it, you know, you're not going to recover the same way from physical activity if you're really mentally challenged at the same time. To, and that's just kind of more like a, a possibly enjoyable stress, or at least a stress that we've chosen to say nothing of, you know, uh, a sick kid at night or a police officer that has shift work and, and stuff like that. So the HRV just is a, 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 a imperfect, but very good measure of the total stress load an individual has. And it gives you an objective feedback, you know, where your green, yellow, or red typically is, is what it will tell you. And you have to divine the tea leaves a little bit, but it doesn't always give you the straight dope. You, you have to read between the lines a little bit, but where oftentimes people be like, uh, I feel like garbage today, but I'll go in and just kind of motor through. And, and sometimes it works out, but oftentimes that's the thing that, oh, that's what got me sick. Like I was teetering on the brink of having a sore throat and getting a cold and that that thing pushed you over and paying attention to the HRV can really help folks to to navigate around that. That was good because we get asked that all the time and I don't have an easy way <laughs> to define it. So hopefully we can just direct people to that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a bunch of super complex math looking at the chaos mathematics of heartbeats. So it's, it's heady stuff. So it's not the easiest thing to just like unpack it and give somebody, but, but the, the real essence is the way our heartbeat varies over time is very indicative of our total stress level. And HRV is a good way of getting our, our arms around that. Yeah. Yeah. People don't understand. You want that bigger number to to have a wider gap between heart. Yep. I mean, it's not substantial that gap between heartbeats you know, it's indetectable to us, but whatever device you're wearing is, is detecting it. Do you, you think CrossFitters in general get so wrapped up in the minors, things like the whoop things like, you know, like you said, fasting for 16 hours is good. So 20 hours should be better rather than focusing on the basics. I think it's easy for everybody to do that, you know, not, not just CrossFitters and it, it, uh, you know, like sleep, like sleep is this thing that, um, folks will jettison sleep, uh, to get in the workout. And it, this is a tough one, you know, like somebody who works a demanding schedule and then they get home, do they train in the evening? Well, if I train in the evening, then I don't sleep. Okay. They don't train in the evening, but now they're waking up at 4 30 AM to train in the morning. And, and you know, so then it's like, well, I'm not going to fucking train at all if I don't do this, you know, so you, you really end up pinched on that. But, you know, the basics of like figuring out 
adequate protein level? Do you run better on pro on carbs or fat or a combo? Like, I think that that's a big deal. Do you have any problems with immunogenic foods, you know, gluten, dairy, you know, a little bit of experimentation. We'll figure that out. That's nutrition. Like that's literally like everything out of nutrition that we need to be concerned with. And then we really need to think about like, well, what are we doing to foster sleep? And if I had my whole career to do over again, I would be the sleep guy, not the food guy, because I can get somebody to change their diet based off of how shitty their sleep is, you know, and it's less of a fight. It's like, dude, it's your body that's waking up in the middle of the night with hypoglycemia. It's not mine. And the way that we fix that is reducing carbohydrate intake. So now we're not in this battle of like keto versus paleo versus vegan or whatever. It's like, well, we can tinker with all that stuff, but you know, the thing that's going to make you sleep best is, is really the, the big deal. So I see folks devote enormous amounts of time to tracking and doing all kinds of different things, but then they will, will consistently ignore this, this like greatest return on investment they'll ever going to have, which is focusing on their, their sleep quality and sleep duration. So it, it, that's a long winded answer to that. Yeah. If there was somewhere that I think that, that folks should generally focus much more attention on it's sleep quality and sleep duration and really optimizing that for their experience. And that will provide so much more feedback than, and uh, return on investment than anything else. And to the degree, things like whoops and aura rings and whatnot are valuable. It's in my opinion, largely based on, or is it informing your decisions around improving sleep in a positive way? And, and then I see the efficacy or the benefit really drop off immediately after that. I'm kind of like, ah, I'm not too much, too sure how much more valuable stuff is beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people ask me about the whoop, I, I tell them it's basically a sleep accountability buddy. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Hey, when you eat late, your HRV goes <clears throat> down. Or if you have a NorCal margarita, it might go down a little bit, get to bed, try to get eight hours. I've been listening to a lot of Andrew Huberman. Which He's amazing. Yeah. 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 He talks, he talks a lot mm. about that. And I've tried to optimize like our sleep. We don't have a TV in the bedroom. I do my best not to bring the iPad in there to watch anything and, and mm -hmm. stick to reading. Two things I've added are an eight sleep, which is mm -hmm. basically a cooler and a gravity yeah. blanket, which is heavy. Yeah. Well, and, and it's made a huge improvement as well as like this, the, the important things like minimizing caffeine later in the day and watching yeah. how late I eat my food. What are some of the things you've done to optimize sleep? Exactly the same. I, I ended up using a chili pad and then the, the same blanket you had mentioned. Yeah, just that cool surface. And um, and I had been pretty geeked out on the rest of it. It's like blue blockers after sundown. And I'll do a little bit of a uh, little bit of melatonin, like uh, 200 micrograms of, of melatonin before bed, a little bit of GABA. Um, try to get as much outside light during the day as I can, like that early morning light and the late evening light is really important for setting up uh, circadian biology. So I, I was pretty good on all that stuff, but the, that additional thing of having like a chilled sleeping surface and then that super heavy, I don't know what it is. It's like going back to the womb or like something. Womb, yeah. I don't know what it you, is because well, I'm you actually have kind kids. of- you know this, you, you must have swaddled back in the day because we're, we were all about that swaddle for Yeah, three and months. one of our kids loved it and the Sagan, the second kid, hated it. I mean, it made oh, wow. them nuts. And um, I tried on a pair of gloves the other day and they were way too small. And I have this weird 
claustrophobia thing. Like I didn't know if I was going to have to cut the glove off my hand in the store. Like I was freaking out. So I have this weird kind of like claustrophobia thing, but yet with this heavy blanket doesn't induce that in me, which I thought it would. I had a little anxiety going into putting this like really heavy weighted blanket on me. I'm like, Nikki, if I freak out, like just get this thing off me, you know, (laughs) but it laid down on me. I'm like, Oh God, this is amazing. It was like, rubbing a crocodile's belly or something, you know? So those are, are two biggies. I, I was, again, I was doing like the blue blockers. I do a little bit of, you know, a sleep supplement support. I try to be diligent about being outside during the day and getting my, getting sun on my body and light my eyes and all that stuff. But the, um, the change that it chilled like eight sleep and then chili pad have been kind of the, the, the biggies that I've seen. And then that weighted blanket is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's other companies. I, w- I use gravity, you know, we have no okay. yeah. tie to them, but I, and I also did their weighted eye mask, oh. which is great. Um, huh. yeah, my wife, Roz hates it. She doesn't say she hates it. She just doesn't love it. So I wind up, it's a 35 pound blanket, but I wind up with 70 usually. Cause it's like her half folds <laughs> on top of mine. Right. It's heavy. Like, you know, I didn't realize how heavy that would feel. I'm usually a guy that would lift his feet to tuck the blankets underneath and you really, you can do it, but it's like, it's like a leg extension in the right. middle of the night, you know? And I'm right. like, ah, but I also was the guy where I would wake up and my blankets were everywhere. I literally yep. just slide myself out of bed and it's already, you know, you know, reading, reading the book, make your bed, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. And I'm like, I don't have to anymore. So right. Right. It's, it, it's when I tell people about the eight sleep again, I don't know if you have a, relationship with them but for me i've just bought one it was about eighteen hundred dollars and it's funny people like balk at that i'm like you you got every piece of apparatus you can need and don't need for crossfit your wrist wraps your knee sleeves your belts you're buying all this supplements you don't need save it for a few months and this is the most important supplement that you need because if you sleep better like oh it's a a performance enhancer like you're you're on peds if you do that yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm almost 50 and i mean i i still motor along pretty well and i think a big part of that is i I get general i'm very lucky i get very good sleep like i've been able to construct a lifestyle that affords that and i kind of really defended it almost at, at gunpoint but when i don't have good sleep i feel so terrible my joints ache. I don't recover that potential to, to catch a cold or something like that is so much greater. And I, I, uh, it sounds so passive and you know, it's like, Oh, I'm sleeping and it's enjoyable, you know, but so it can't be as good, you know, like junk food is enjoyable. So that can't be good either, but it's like, no, man, the sleep is really where it's at. And I, I really agree with your thing there. It's like, you don't need the other pair of shoes you don't need the other pair of pants, like save your money and get one of the, you know, invest two grand in like your sleep gym, you know, it's a, a one time expense too. You don't expense. need it over yeah. and over. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, because of the you know pandemic, I've not been traveling as much for CrossFit seminars. And recently I just did two seminars in a prison and my recovery is generally really good. Mm-hmm. And I got a 4%. On, oh wow! On, and I think it was just my body was like, "Where are we? You don't have any right. of this, you know." To a fault, I'm I'm spoiled there. So I think it it really makes a difference because even on nights where the baby wakes up or I don't sleep as long as I'd like, my recovery stays high because 
the quality of that sleep is, is better. Yeah. Yeah. So I've often said there's sleep, stress, fitness, and nutrition, as far as four pillars. And I'm, you know, I've not created that you you and other smart people have said similar things. And oftentimes sleep is the first to go. Mm -hmm. Maybe nutrition is, and I, I remind people, fitness should be the first thing to go. If we're looking at long-term health, do do you agree with that? I would generally agree with that, you know, or, or, um, fitness can go on such a low maintenance dose, you know, like once or twice per week of some three sets of a a 90% effort on squat deadlift, you know, bench you'll maintain you know, and, or, or if you decline, you'll decline super slowly over time. You lose like 2% a month or something like that. Like you can really maintain that. Um, aerobic capacity do, declines a little faster, but that's where, you know, uh, one modest session, uh, you know, of, of lower intensity and like one interval based session can maintain 80, 85% of your, your baseline, like aerobic capacity. So we're talking about like literally minutes a week to, to maintain what people have had. And so then you don't fully give it all up, you know, but I, I, you know, it's, um, maintenance is so easy compared to getting better at something. Like if you've got a 400 pound deadlift and you want to maintain within 10% of that, that maintenance is easy. If you want to get to a 420 pound deadlift, the amount of work to, to do that can be just absolutely monumental. And I, I don't, I think that people work so hard to get somewhere that they, they don't realize how easy it is to relax and then just, okay, I'm going to take a 10% hit. But then when my life gets itself squared away, I'm only 10% off of my best. And it was taking no time out of my, my day-to-day life or, you know, virtually none um, they really underappreciate how easy it is to maintain that just the ego gets wrapped up and they're like, well, if I'm going to lose anything, I'm just going to lose all of it, you know? And yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I try to remind people like you're, you know, you mentioned a 400 pound deadlift. If you have a 360 pound deadlift, that's more than you will. Hopefully I always tell people it's more than you will need. need. And if you need more, you're going to have whatever craziness running through you in that moment. I'll, it doesn't matter if it's 360 or hundred, you're going to lift that car off the baby or whatever it is, you know? Right. So, right. You don't, or you, you don't, get a goddamn neighbor to help you, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Rob, it's been fantastic talking to you other than robwolf.com, which is still impressive that you own that domain and drink. And for the record, it's L M N T L M N T N T, but we, we pronounce it element. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So drink, drink, lmnt.com and like i said i highly wreck it but is there any recommended is there any other place we can send people to check you out that's most everywhere that i hang out yeah yeah so and and you you sent me those packages is are those available in any sort of different ways or are they the party pack or i forget what you called that one pack oh that value pack value bundle or, oh, oh there's the, the fiesta pack fiesta there's pack. a bunch of different ways to get them yeah and we i don't know if we still have it going on but there was a free plus shipping um sampler where it was like five bucks and they'll send you eight all eight of the flavors and then you can check it out and we have a hundred percent money back guarantee like if people don't like it we'll send their money back but yeah generally folks if they try it they tend to really enjoy it and you can order any flavor in 30. I, I love the fact that they're 
individual packs. Cause like I said, I was just away and it's so much easier. I wish everything came like that. Like just grab, I grabbed five of them. I knew I'd be gone for five days, threw them in my bag, you know, first thing in the morning, threw them down. So I I love the fact, are you going to ever expand into a, a jar or deal? We, you know, we looked at it and the, the, you have to add or do kind of crazy things. Otherwise it turns into a brick in like a week. So it really, it's very hygroscopic. It pulls water into it and God bless the folks that follow us, but they're very geeked out on like paleo and clean eating and all this stuff and everything that you would do to prevent it from turning into a brick, they don't like. So I'm kind of like, I don't know if we, we might do it, but I, I'm not totally sure. And, it, you know, even on the, um, the recycling and like the environmental footprint and everything. We've been doing some life cycle analysis on the stuff. And as crazy as it sounds, these stick packs are actually less footprint than a can, unless you get into this complex deal where you send people a really nice can. And then you have this kind of minimalist packing that you send the stuff as a refill in. And then the problem with that is that if it's hygroscopic, it starts turning into a brick. So it, 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 um, it's uh we've looked into it a lot and it's um it's funny because it's just salt but it's a non-trivial like kind of engineering problem to figure out how you you don't deliver somebody a a brick of salt which then they you know is unusable basically unless they're like breaking it into pieces yeah that that makes sense i hadn't thought about it from that perspective but yeah you mentioned i use a company called seed for my probiotic Yeah. yeah. So they, they do that. I have like their green jar and then every 30 yeah. days they send me, but that's a pill. So it's a little bit right. different as well than what you're, that what you're suggesting, but yeah. I like it. I, I search for simplicity in my life these days and the, you know, digging into find the scooper and then when it gets low and you get the salt or, you know, protein right. powder all over your hand, like I, I love it. Keep it this way. And, and for those, you know, it's like, if you subscribe to it, it's like a dollar ten per right per stick, if you will. And you, you yep. know, most of the people listening are spending five times that on their caffeine habit. So do do this. If if you've ever cramped in the middle of a workout, this is the way to go. Because it's by the way, I didn't get to that point, but this stopped the cramping. Yes. Yeah. Once yeah. in a while, I'll still get a calf cramp at jujitsu. Um, it's probably like you said, it's more indicative to how much water I've drank, how long I've been training. And it does, it does happen more so in the ghee that, yep. that you mentioned, which you're just, you're, you're hotter. You're, you're also hotter and you're sweating more. Yeah. Tend to yeah. probably tend to hold those positions a little longer. So your muscles are yep. flexed a bit longer. So yep. m- more, just more excuses to avoid the ghee in the future. <laughs> exactly. <really>. Maybe <laughs> that's why I'm still a purple belt after eight years. Who knows? Um, but, you know, and then, of course, all your books are amazing. We have literally all of them on Audible. My wife's a big nutrition geek. She just, you know, finished her course, but she's always, you, it's one of the, I turn on the, it's funny, I turn on the car sometimes, and if she were in it last, your voice will pop up or like, oh, funny. You know, it's, you know, and I'm like, what is she listening to now? You know, Wired to Eat will pop up and all that. So awesome. It's really, really cool. you know, like I said, just been awesome to see you being a constant, I'm really excited to hear that you're kind of coming somewhat back into the mix. And I hope that gets even bigger. Cause like you said, it's not too late for us to, to have that impact you were talking about earlier. And I think if you come back, not if you come back since you're coming back, I think you can really help drive that forward, which is pretty freaking awesome. 
Yeah, it, it, it's cool. Like I, I saw early on CrossFit changing the world. I, I told Greg almost 10 years ahead of when I projected he would have 10,000 10, affiliates. And it actually took a little longer than what I, I guessed. Um, but I was, I was pretty, pretty spot on with that. But I, it's, um, in my opinion, CrossFit is, is possibly the one thing that if properly rolled out could really change like our food systems, our healthcare systems, because this decentralization of these gyms is so powerful. It's, it, it's a multi-headed hydra, you know, and then if you add some kind of leveraging of things like, uh, you know, local food distribution and, and you spun up an insurance product so that people were stepping outside of the standard third-party payer system and, and stuff like that. And they're really being rewarded for, taking good care of themselves, it could change everything, you know, and even if it didn't change everything, it would change the lot for sure, change the lives of the people involved with it. And it would, um, you know, fitness is big, but medicine, it, it, fitness is a rounding error in the, the bank ledger of medicine. And if, if all you want to do is make money, then fucking go in and, and, you know, change medicine using a fitness modality, you know, and I, I really think that that's the, that's the opportunity there. So do it because we all have children and we want a better world or do it because you just want to make a retarded amount of money and, and go, go forward in the, to, to the world, you know? So yeah, either way it's win. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, once again, we appreciate you coming on, Rob. Thank you for everything you've done and continue to do. It's been a great time catching up with you. It's great reconnecting with you. There was a time where we would see each other like three or four or five times a year. And then it's just, yeah. Poof, you know. So yeah, it's great seeing you. Yeah, I mean, I went to email you after seeing you on Brian's podcast. I was like, oh, I should reach out to Rob. And and for reference, I had uh, Rob at NorCalCrossFit.com. So yep, that's an indication. That was a long time ago. <laughs> to how long yeah. it's been? Yeah, I was like, okay, let me. Uh, hey, Brian, can you shoot him an email? I don't think awesome. this is up to date. Yeah. So very cool. Thank you very much, Rob. Take care. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time. You've heard me talk about it before and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs. My favorite being the coffee scrub. Just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, 
docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard balm. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%. You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. Will pay.